Stephanie Sugar, Clinical Director and Founder of Behavioral Psych Studio in New York and Los Angeles, a practice that specializes in DBT and CBT. My team and I believe strongly in the principles espoused by Dr. Marshall Linehan, the founder of DBT, and we started our podcast to let you in on the secret. Think of DBT as a set of skills or tools that usher you toward the life you want to be living. We are here to help make those skills more accessible, providing real-world relatable examples and applications. While we hope you're able to use these skills to help you improve your life, This podcast and the content in it is not intended to be used as therapy or a substitute for it. DBT is a multimodal, comprehensive treatment intervention, and the skills you will hear us present on House on Fire are only one piece of it. However, once you've practiced these skills, you may not even realize you're using them. It will feel like riding a bike, so hop on and enjoy the ride. Hi, everyone. Welcome to House on Fire. Uh, my name is Avery Galliott. My pronouns are she, her, hers, and I am so amped to be talking with my colleague from the other coast. Hello, hello. Hey, everyone. All the way from LA, the best side of the coast or the better coast, as I like to say. Uh, but my name is Bethesda Johannes. My pronouns are she, her. Um, and I am currently at the LA office. I moved from New York, which I love New York from afar. Wait, Bethesda, I did not know that. Yeah. Well, girl, this is my issue with New York. I love I do love, I love the idea of everything's accessible. However, I just realized that I have to like radically accept that I'm too lazy for New York. Like the fact that I have to like walk to the grocery store walk to do laundry, walk to get on a train. I'm like, I would rather just lay in my bed and not do anything. I think there's going to be a point where I hit a wall with the movement as well. And then I'm going to replace it with getting one of those scooters. Do you remember like razor scooters? I actually think I have one of those. Like I think my like my boyfriend has one of those. I love that. I want one in blue. Ooh, that would be cute. Okay, so we're so happy that you're here. And I wanted to mention to our listeners, we don't have any homework that was assigned while interviewing Strauss Mann last month. Um, For those of you who haven't listened, take a listen. We were talking with U.S. Olympic goalie Strauss Mann on practicing mindfulness. And it's a great episode, which explores things like stigma and mental health in athletics around mental health and different manners in which we can get in the zone. But for now, we're super excited to address today's theme, which is walking the middle path and dialectics within the workplace. And we haven't really touched upon that too, too much within the structure of House on Fire yet. And who better to discuss this with than two colleagues, right? Exactly. Super fitting. So walking the middle path, what is it? It's a concept in in DBT that emphasizes finding a balance between extremes or polarities to walk a synthesis. And when I think about walking the middle path, we're looking to move away from extreme thinking patterns and develop a much more flexible, nuanced approach to things like emotions, um, behaviors, thoughts, relationships. It's looking for not the black or the white, but rather the both and. That middle path is if you think about it a bit like a gray area in which we can problem solve collaboratively, emotionally regulate more effectively, 
and come to the understanding that things like change, only constant, perspective, there's more than one, opinions, everyone's got them, and they are valid in different ways. So to me, walking the middle path is something that I typically teach within my multifamily skills group. And how that shows up in that space is really looking to get parents and teens more aligned, more connected with one another, and acknowledging that there's truth in both perspectives. And I often think about a moment in which I desperately wanted to go to a party in 10th grade, start of the school year. And I said to my mom, I want to go to this party desperately. And she said, absolutely not. And there were a lot of circumstances as to why she was saying absolutely not. And in my view, I was like, this is so, so unfair. I can't believe this. I did say the phrase, you're ruining my life. Flash forward a couple of hours after I've been like moping around the house for a while. Turns out that there was like a situation in which all the kids that were at this party ended up getting in trouble. I was able to see her perspective more in hindsight than in the moment. And my mom, to her credit, within moments of my beginning to mope, really uplifted my perspective. Like quite quickly, she was saying, I know that this is really frustrating. I can imagine how annoying this is. I recall blah, blah, blah in a way that wasn't when I was your age, but was much more, I remember it kind of landing. I was very much stuck in my extreme. So walking a middle path with that party, I think how that might look for some kids and some parents, it might be like, okay, you can you can go for an hour and I'll sit in the driveway. That probably would have been the limit for my mom. I wasn't cool with that. So yeah, I would be like, no. And it sounds like your mom was really validating. Yeah. And and walking the middle path when it comes to work is is similar to that parent-teen relationship and quite different because there's a variety of different perspectives, different personalities. And so a lot of what we're going to talk about is, you know, how do I balance work and life? How do I maintain a sense of security while embracing change in the workplace? How do I manage interpersonal conflicts or personal disputes in the workplace when there are two seemingly polar opposite beliefs? There's a middle path. That's the offering we've got for you. And perhaps Bethesda speaking a little bit more to dialectics might illuminate this even further. I was just going to say, and that's why we need to be dialectical. The first thing that I think of when I think of dialectics is, I don't know if you guys remember way back when, when that like picture of that dress came up and it was like one color and everybody saw another color and we were like, what's happening? What color is it? Or even that one picture of it's a vase, but if you look at it in a different way, it's like two faces. Yes. So with dialectics, it's the idea that two truths can exist at the same time. So we're replacing that but with that and. Things aren't necessarily black and white. Um, And it's really like finding that kernel of truth, right? Really embracing change and really trying to see it from the other person's perspective. So just like you're talking about how we can get so easily polarized when we are experiencing some sort of interpersonal conflict. An example that comes to my mind, because I just binge watched the Kardashians. I love Chloe. I love Chloe too. Chloe is... And these are judgments. And I feel like she's so like down to earth. I love how like raw she is. She's very transparent. 
as much as possible. And one thing that came up was the idea of she can't forgive her ex for like cheating in their relationship. And she is also strong. A lot of people see her forgiveness as weakness. She articulates that on the show. She does. And it's like, no, like you are you are allowed to forgive, you know, your partner for cheating. You are allowed to go back to your partner after you cheated or they cheated. And it doesn't equate to you being weak at all. So that's, yeah, that's a huge dialectic that comes in my mind. Mm, Yeah. And when it comes to walking a middle path that's been informed by dialectical thinking or by dialectics generally, I like to uplift our, our core dialectic in, in DBT, which is acceptance and change. And acceptance and change, holding those to be present at any given moment in time, like I'm doing the best that I can, and I can do better, try harder and be more motivated to change. Like that perspective paves the way in the workplace towards um, expanding our way of considering a situation a transition at the workplace, a conflict between the colleague, a disagreement between your HR rep and you around pay. It allows us to like unstick ourselves from different conflicts and standoffs and seemingly unending returns to the same topic. Let's us be more flexible, more approachable, maybe a better manager, maybe a better supervisee. It moves us away from making assumptions, from blaming people. And maybe we can give folks some like helpful hints for thinking and acting dialectically. I think we should draw from the multifamily skills group manual. And and I'm happy to start with my favorite one of all, which is we want to move away from using extreme language, like always or never, or you dot, 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 make me do this. Being behaviorally specific and descriptive is going to get you way farther in the workplace than saying, you never raise my pay, you know, Gina. You always tell me that I have to do X, Y, Z, John. (laughs) Um, Exactly. And that's kind of that rule of thumb too, when you're taking exams, they usually say, if there's always a never, it's wrong in the true and false question. So really looking at all sides of the situation, putting yourself in that other person's shoes, trying to find that kernel of truth and what's happening, right? So like, okay, you feel upset about a certain thing or you're taking it this way. Like what, what exactly is the truth? What can I identify with that makes sense? Mm. And, and when you look for the kernel of truth, leaning into accepting that are alternatives to explore and then accepting the validity in another individual's different opinion, different truth, different experience, even if you don't agree with it. And dialectical thinking tells us we can't expect everyone to know what we are thinking when we are thinking what we are thinking. My husband doesn't know that I really don't want to take the dog out right now. And so like sighing audibly he doesn't know what that means. Dialectics brings us closer together. It connects us more because 
We think that it's it's another way to enhance our own interpersonal effectiveness. If we don't assume things, if we check our assumptions, if we articulate what we're experiencing, if we're open to alternatives, I don't know about you. Um, I know for me, it alleviates pain, suffering, discomfort a lot more effectively than an audible sigh. A thousand percent. And I think it alleviates so much discomfort. Um, for me, I would say personally, because I can tend to be so much more harsh on myself than what reality is, right? And a lot of times our perception is our reality. And when our perception is so rigid and black and white, then our reality can feel really harsh and uncomfortable. So I think that's a huge thing with being dialectical and how that kind of opens up our reality, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so speaking about kind of interpersonal dynamics, I'm I'm thinking about how we can share with our listeners how this might show up in the workplace. Maybe a moment in your life in which you were able to walk a middle path and maybe we can troubleshoot how we can reach that, what skills we can use to get closer to that synthesis. Me personally, I think of how I imagine conflict is like during the height of COVID when somebody would cough, even if it's for an allergy and everybody would disperse, that's me in conflict. And a lot of times I've noticed that I will have like these internal conflicts. For example, with um, one of my managers at my old job pre-therapy, I had this internal conflict of they hate me because they don't acknowledge me. They don't say hi. Mm -hmm. They think I'm bad at my job, right? Like I came up with so many assumptions and conclusions from it. it. Brought up a lot of sadness and anger and I would have this internalized, right, like conflict, and they have no idea that I'm in a whole fight with them. And I really had to think dialectically and had to kind of put myself in their shoes and find that kernel of truth of, okay, like they are running around. Other employees they've known since like last year and also validate myself like, yes, like it's, I am feeling sad and it makes sense because they're not saying hello. And that doesn't necessarily mean that they aren't happy to see me. You walked this middle path towards towards wise mind. You walked this middle path towards being able to notice and catch some interpretations that were coming up. If I don't see this smile from my colleague, they hate me. And I am feeling sad. I am feeling now maybe due to some judgments and due to kind of the ease with which we can sit with anger because it is more fun for me in taking that more dialectical perspective and offering yourself the grace of some validation that make you experience, I don't know, like an alleviation to some extent of those emotions that were uncomfortable and painful. Absolutely. Helped me be, have less anxiety and it helped my relationships with my coworkers because I wasn't moving out of that anxious, angry space. So I was a lot more open to like grow those connections it got me over the feeling of feeling othered. I think that's a really illuminating example because the one that I want to pass along is is a little bit more externalized versus kind of this internalized process of walking a middle path. Sometimes we're walking a middle path with our own experiences, our own experiences of others. 
in the brain, in the mind. This is back in the late 2010s. Um, I had a colleague who was new to the company and was really struggling to kind of grasp certain concepts that I had the thought because I had done them so many times over. This should, the judgment thought, this should be more automatic, more clear, more evident off the bat. And I was stuck in a very extreme position in which I was disregarding all of the efforts and all of the pain that I went through to actually understand these processes to begin with. And I started behaviorally trying to change her way of working. So I was really acting on now these extreme ways of thinking and approaching this individual. And I was suffering. I was coming home. I was complaining about it, venting to it. My boyfriend at the time was saying, this is really annoying to listen to because you're doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. You're trying to change human behavior, which is not possible without the willingness of the other person. I realized that the most effective approach towards my goal, which was to honestly enjoy my job and leave it in the office, not bring it home, was to accept our differing approaches, to practice a little bit of turning of the mind when I noticed that this person wasn't operating as if she had been working there for three years, was to interpret her actions from a more benign perspective, was to actively and reflectively listen to her while simultaneously validating my own distress as it arose and treating that distress. And I think that in some ways, when there is interpersonal conflict or disagreements in the workplace, the, the role of asking questions from a place of curiosity versus asking questions from a place of, or just immediately imposing judgmental statements, providing validation of that person's viewpoint or way of behaving and working. That's the alleviation of suffering. That's the middle path. That is the way that you can grow a relationship with someone or at least learn to accept, acknowledge, tolerate being a colleague to this other individual and all those things you know, did decrease ultimately my my conflict within myself and then ultimately my conflict with this colleague because I allowed us to be two different people working in two different ways that were both valid. I think that's huge. I really loved how you did that because that is a huge difference that I think sometimes we might get caught up into like asking a question and posing as if it's an answer. However, we feel like we have the answer. Yeah, and being mindful of of that for myself to this day. There's no absolute truth is one of DBT's assumptions we can all have a different approach to or experience of or understanding of what that answer is to us. Another theme workplace-wise is thinking about how to walk a middle path as it pertains to transitions in the workplace. So I'm thinking about mergers, I'm thinking about acquisitions and reorganizations and job changes and pay changes and inflation and my coffee costing so much more than it did like three months ago. How might in the workplace, we might maintain a sense of security while also embracing, allowing change. Yeah. So I don't have a specific um, example, however, especially when I'm just going through a transitional phase in my life, what I really tend to do is thinking about the other person's objective. So putting myself in the other person's shoes and thinking, okay, their objective, you know, for this job is X, Y, and Z. My objective is X, Y, and Z. So based on their objective, I can see how 
my, some of my needs fell off because that doesn't meet with their objective. And it, that makes sense to me. So I tend to look at it that way. Um, so lots of validation on their part of how they got there. Um, lots of validation on my part of, yeah, this is new. So it makes sense that I'm frustrated. I don't really know what I'm doing. I didn't want this to change. So I get why I'm annoyed. And then on the other side too, I you, I really make lemonade out of lemons a lot. So I try to find, okay, this is not what I like or what I intended. And what can I gain from this? Now I can do this other side hustle that I've always wanted to do. And I feel like there is more motivation to do that rather than, you know, just doing it for fun. I really like thinking about managing a transition with that approach or even, you know, for some it can be translated to a mantra of how am I going to make lemonade out of these lemons? You know, this is a sour beverage. Sure, I can add sugar to it and I'm going to get a, a, a beverage out of it. And I think about, you know, the balance of approaching a transition with an open mind while also looking to as a, as a great tool to kind of be present, to be participatory in the transition that you can't stop. It's happening. I was at a company during a really complicated time globally, and a lot of things happened um, to our business. And I remember being very, very stressed, sad, disappointed, and I was stuck in the negative. I was dwelling in my resistance to change. I did not want this to be and so I wasn't going to allow it. And yet it happened. I couldn't stop the global conflict for my own benefit. I guess to me, like what I think about how to maintain that, that sense of security and embrace change, like it is through the development of certain coping statements. It is through the practice of more flexibility cognitively, like whether that's um, checking the facts a little bit of turning of the mind, as we've discussed, using just generally crisis survival skills to manage a transition when it got extra hot, when it was a seven, eight, nine, ten of distress out of a 10. I mean, approaching things dialectically and being present with that change versus trying to push it off can be a way to manage maintaining your sense of security. And, and to that end, like, I think a big topic the topic, that of work-life balance. It has inherent to it the word balance. How might one use the concept of dialectics of walking a middle path to balance work and personal life? And can you talk about how can we apply that to things like setting boundaries or managing your time? I noticed that I have to I have to write down and know all of my self-care. Like what is the life part? The things that make me happy, the things that uh, make me calm, the things that make me feel accomplished being on a thousand, like stress has been my comfortability level. And when I'm not stressed, I sometimes feel like I'm not productive, right? So it's the dialectic of I can 
be not stressed and be productive. I try to, as best as I can, really set limits. And the thing about limits are limits can change. So sometimes, right, like it might be, okay, I'm not going to talk about this. And sometimes maybe like I am. Yeah, I mean, you're you're accumulating positive experiences and you are approaching it from a limits perspective versus a very specific boundary that is immovable. A limit is like a hedge. You can trim it or you can grow it as you wish. I do inherently have a bias towards work. Somehow that is the thing that I have adopted as important above all other things while saying that accumulating positives is very important. That's that's not my reality a lot of the time. And being willing to look at a calendar generally and approach it with an unscheduled mindset of I'm willing to I'm willing to take something out here. I'm willing to move things around. I'm willing to take my to-do list and and flip it on its head. That that is how I kind of began noticing, oh, balance may not be 50-50. It may not be a middle path that is exactly in the center that I am looking to walk. Rather, it's it's understanding, okay, I'm noticing that I'm I'm getting a little bit burnt out. These are the warning signs. Taking your learnings and saying, okay, this happened before. And then um, maybe like growing my hedge a little bit more when I notice rosacea is flaring up. When I notice um, I'm a little bit more irritable and quick to jump on my sister. I think balance can feel elusive. And I think balance is elusive if we're operating in the extreme of it must be this way rather than it can be this way and it can be this way and it can be this way and it can be different every hour, every day, every month of our lives. It's evolving just as our work and our life is evolving. Exactly. Balance doesn't necessarily mean 50-50. It might be like 60%, 40-70-30 or the other way. Absolutely. So Bethesda, it's been really nice to have this conversation on a Friday afternoon um getting to know you a little bit more I think listeners I think it'd be fun to kind of share with you that we've actually never had a full conversation because of the fact that we live on different coasts and only connected via zoom and so I'm I'm really looking forward to having more conversations with you off and on the record I wanted to pass along a little bit of a homework assignment for everyone just because uh, you know a little bit of practice doesn't hurt I want us to think about a moment in the coming month or week in which you can practice walking a middle path at work, whether it's interpersonally, whether it's when approaching that elusive and evolving work-life balance, and when it comes to managing transitions in the workplace, how can you practice walking a middle path and adopting a dialectical perspective? That's huge. And write it down because we know when we write stuff down, right, it makes our brain committed to memory more. Thank you, Bethesda. I'm so happy we got to spend time together. Yeah, me too. I absolutely love this.
more information on House on Fire, head to our Instagram page at House on Fire Pod. Shoot us a DM. For more information on Behavioral Psych Studio, check out behavioralpsychstudio.com. Check out our show notes in the podcast description for further reading materials.